you need to know that you all have one of these. You can't be you without it, but you are you beyond it as well. It's helpful for moving about in the world. You take pride in it, but it can also be a source of shame, disgust, and dislike. It is marvelous when it works as it's supposed to, and it is quite a bother, quite a bother, when it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. It grows and changes, and yet certain things remain absolutely the same. You know no other thing but this thing, and yet it is different every two weeks. Parts of it are different. Yes, it is your body today. We get to talk about bodies. You see, this glorious thing that you have and have always had is the topic of, of Scripture today. This body, it's unique to you. Only you will have your set of DNA, your fingerprints, uh, the color patterns in your irises, the way that you smell, the way you think, the way you talk, the way you move. And only you, only you will deal with a certain set of ailments and pains and sicknesses and injuries and frustrations with your body. This body, your body, is integral to who you are and how you are in the world. It is a delight, right? Uh-huh. It's also a burden. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Certainly, your body is a very physical thing, but how we are with our bodies is a very spiritual thing. One thing that Christian tradition has not done well is honor the body. And this is surprising because of how embodied the good news of Jesus Christ is. Creation was the act of God creating human bodies and then calling them good. The incarnation was literally God putting on a body. And the resurrection of, uh, was God restoring these bodies, first Jesus's then ours, that kind of gives it away. Uh, first Jesus is then ours, uh, restoring these bodies to their intended wholeness. God cares about bodies. And this is very much emphasized in this post-resurrection appearance that Jesus has with his disciples that we're looking at this morning. I want to give you a little uh, heads up as to what to experience. And also a reminder of where we've been since Easter. Uh, you see, here in, in Luke chapter 24, we are still on Resurrection Sunday. We've been there a long time because a lot of things happened that day. You see, uh, it hadn't even been 24 hours since Jesus rose from the dead, and he got a lot accomplished in that time. Rising from the dead, meeting a whole bunch of, uh, of people, Mary, the other women at the garden, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and now he meets uh, the 11 disciples that remained with him after his death. He has had a very busy schedule, okay? Uh, so would you look with me at the very end of Luke, Luke chapter 24. This is the last chapter in Luke. Luke is the third gospel of four gospels in the New Testament. And if you have a Bible, I invite you to take it out uh, and you can read with me. If you have a phone, there's an app. 
Bible is on there. It's super nice. It's also on any web browser, and and we have it conveniently on the screen. So I tell you, there's no lack of the good news of Jesus right here. We are in Luke uh, chapter 24, reading verse 36 uh, to verse 43. It says this, while they were still talking about this, this, by the way, was was what the, what the two on the road to Emmaus were, were sharing with the disciples when they ran to them and said, like, oh, my word, we've seen the Lord, okay? They were still talking about this. It's Resurrection Sunday. Uh, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself, himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet, it is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? They gave him a a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. The word of God for the bodies, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Here we are dealing with the resurrected body of Christ. And there are some things that we need to contend with. I don't know the the biology behind resurrected bodies. No one's really been able to take a a test sample of that just yet. But oh, what a fun thing to learn when heaven and earth are made new. But what we do know about this resurrected body is that it is different and yet the same as a pre-resurrected body. There uh, There is something physically new, but also something that's very physically the same. And it's not Jesus' haircut or his skincare regimen or his, his fitness strategy that makes his body different. You've seen those bodybuilder Jesus pictures, right? Okay. You see, it's not that. It's, it's more that this body is fit for heaven and earth. This body transcends the realms. This body, Jesus' resurrected body, is made to live in the new heavens and the new earth. You see, we can't talk about resurrection without talking about the whole, everything that God will redeem. You see, what is promised throughout Scripture is not just that new bodies uh, will be there for us in heaven, that when we die, we'll get these new things, or uh, that when we die, that we're just floating souls up there in the pearly gates. Uh, Scripture does not say anything like that. It's actually so different. This, 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 the reality of the resurrection is so beyond us, and it's also right here with us that it truly doesn't make any sense. You see, when God promises resurrection, God isn't promising he'll just raise our bodies and then say, have fun up there in heaven. No, God proclaims that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven and a new earth. Not just heaven, heaven and earth. Wholeness in both of these realms. They will coexist together in a grand way. And this is what is 
promised of our resurrection bodies, our resurrected bodies, that we, uh, these bodies will be fit for heaven and earth because the world, heaven and earth, will become new. And so this is what we have here. Jesus's resurrected body is a brand new thing. No one has ever seen anyone, anything like it before uh, because no one has ever resurrected from the dead. Now we have that instance of Lazarus. This gets a little tricky uh, in the Gospel of John. Lazarus became alive again, yes, but he was not given his resurrected body. His earthly body was brought back to life, but it eventually died again. He got to have two deaths and two alives, so that's good. You see, but Jesus' resurrected body is something very different and also very much the same. This could be part of the reason uh, that, that Jesus has to reassure his disciples when he poof shows up to them. First of all, it's poof. Second of all, uh, it, 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 it's, it's a different body, but it's the same body, but it's a different body. He says, it is I, myself, it's me. I'm really here. Did you catch that emphasis as he's talking uh, in, in this passage? It is I, myself. Hello. I'm real. This is, this is for reals. You, your eyes aren't tricking you. It's not a dream. I'm not a spirit. I'm not a ghost. I am real life. Real life. Jesus provides proof that he isn't just a ghost or a spirit or a figure of their imaginations. And he provides this proof in, in two ways in this passage. He shows them his wounds, and he proves that he's hungry. If you're taking notes, write down wounds and hunger. Jesus shows the disciples his wounds as a sign to them that it was really him, his body, resurrected. You see, the disciples saw with their own eyes the origin of those wounds. They watched those wounds be inflicted. They saw this. These things became, or, or perhaps they were always intended to be an identity marker for Jesus, these wounds. By this, they will know who I am, Jesus thinks. You see, because Jesus's wounds bear witness to the disciples about not only the reality of death, but certainly the reality of the resurrection. You see, resurrected bodies have wounds. And those wounds are not meant to be hidden in shame, but they are actually, could be, can be, proof of God's restoration in the world. This confuses me. It makes me wonder about my wounds. It makes me wonder about your wounds. I wonder what things have scarred you. Or I wonder about those things that are still very fresh for you. It's all too common to, to hide those things, to hide those things from other people, certainly, but sometimes to hide those things from ourselves. Sometimes we make them out to be less of a deal than they are. <laughs> or perhaps you feel today or have felt before that, that the wounds that have been inflicted in your life might overtake you that they would override your whole way of living, that, that they would bring you to the deepest 
deaths. The truth is, Jesus' wounds did that. The, the Roman guards didn't just nail him to the cross and think, hope that doesn't hurt too bad. Those wounds, that position caused him to die. And those wounds, all those wounds were brought up from the grave. I don't understand. You see, resurrection isn't just a band-aid over the wounds. It's a complete renewing of them, though they are still there. Jesus invites the disciples to put put their hands in other passages, put their hands in there. <laughs> and if you've ever had a wound, um, you know that you don't want anyone to touch it unless they've taken care of it by numbing it, right? So the reality of the resurrection is that these wounds, they don't cause pain, yet they are still there. Signs of, of something. With Jesus, his wounds were not a liability to his resurrected life. And with Jesus, your wounds are not a liability to life. God might actually use them to prove a new kind of life, a new life that brings heaven and earth together. That's crazy. In this new kind of, of body, this heaven and earth resurrected body, we can anticipate that these bodies aren't going to act like, like alien creatures either. That like, oh, you get, a, you get a wound and then it like magically heals like you see on some sci-fi movie. No, these are going to be actual bodies, real life bodies, and they are going to act like bodies. Because Jesus didn't like float or, or poof around being uh, nourished by air and love and surprise. That wasn't the nature of Jesus' resurrected body. No, his resurrected body was wounded and it was hungry. His resurrected body wanted, it hungered, it desired to be nourished, and it wanted to be satisfied. And I don't think it was just that, that Jesus wanted to prove that he was more than a spirit or a ghost to the disciples. I think that he wanted to show them that the bodies of earth that experience hunger and need and desires to be nourished and, and to receive the gifts of satisfaction these things are a gift of our bodies, not a curse. You see, in the, a handful of appearances that, that Jesus has with people, he's often found eating food or making food or asking for food. This isn't just cute. It's not just something that goes on to the Food Network channel. This is something of a gift to us. This must mean that heaven and earth bodies resurrected bodies, hunger. You see, hunger is a gift to our bodies. It tells us uh, when we need to provide for ourselves. It invites us to, to be sustained by food and, and water, life sources for the body's most basic functions. The human body can go about uh, three days without water and three weeks without food. And the Bible tells us that, that Jesus, uh, re resurrected Jesus, was on earth for 40 days. That's like um, five and a half weeks around there. And so between the time that he rose from the dead and he ascended five and a half weeks, uh, the guy needed to eat. 
he needed to drink some water. This was the nature of his resurrected body. And whether or not that body uh, needed food and water, could it be sustained without it? We don't know. I think what Jesus does in asking for food, in, in proving to be eating with the people, is that he is asserting that hunger is a gift and that nourishing the body is a gift. And that hunger proved his identity as a resurrected Jesus, and it proved the reality of the resurrection, wounds and hunger. This heaven and earth body is hungry. I can imagine even right now, nearing 11 o'clock, your body might be hungry. And it is a gift to be hungry. And it is a gift to meet that hunger with good things. It's no wonder that Jesus did so much of his ministry even before he resurrected at the table. He knew what people needed. And he knew what people uh, needed at that table. And he knew what he could offer at that table. He also knew that people needed more than just food at the table. That their hunger was a gift to them physically. But it also was a gift to them spiritually. I can tell you quite often what I am uh, hungry for. It's usually cheese, okay? It's usually always cheese. And I always know, um, or I, I frequently know what meets my physical needs and what I eat. Most often it's not cheese. I don't know about you, but, but uh, sometimes it can't be all cheese. But sometimes it is difficult to identify, identify what I am hungry for spiritually. I've got the cheese one down. That spiritual hunger is something different. And so I wonder, <clears throat> as we near the noon hour, <laughs> what are you hungry for physically? And what of that hunger it speaks to what you're hungry for spiritually? And then, uh, what does this tell you about yourself? What does it tell you about God? And what about your, uh, what does this hunger tell you about your relationship with God? My tummy just grumbled. <laughs> Way to go. Okay. <clears throat> Jesus resurrected in his heaven and earth body was, was wounded and was hungry. And these are not remnants of a broken earthly body. They are proof that he was resurrected and that God has created something good and holy. This is true for ourselves Individually, yes. But I also want us to think about our collective body. You see, people who are in a relationship with Jesus are bound up with one another. A collection of individual bodies that are made uh, together the corporate Christian body. It's what we call the church. And it's what the Apostle Paul calls the body of Christ. Romans 12, 4 through 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each of you is a part of it. Now, right now, we are the body of Christ. 
We are the embodied presence of God in the world because the Spirit of God has been given to us by Jesus himself. And, and we're going to read all about that on Pentecost. It comes in Acts chapter 2, which is just two books over in your Bible if you want to take a sneak peek. What is so amazing about that work at Pentecost is that we become Christ's body. That the church, the big church, not just Newport Covenant Church, not just the covenant, the whole church, anyone who claims Jesus as, as their friend and as their Lord, they become the church, the now body of Christ. And this has incredible implications. And while I'm comforted by the truth of this, that I belong to a, a big body, I'm also alarmed. Because this body has not always been proof of God's miraculous work in the world. This body we call the church has settled into notions that look a lot like earthly bodies rather than heaven and earth bodies. We found ourselves running like corporations and businesses, not like cooperations and living communities. We've readily amputated ourselves for the sake of preservation, for the sake of money, for the sake of security, or, or even for feeling stationary. We've hidden our collective wounds with shame, satiated our collective hunger with nice worship music, with fancy gatherings, but without ever getting to the heart of that hunger. We've actually measured the life and health of our body by looking at our big buildings and our cute children's programs and our elaborate printed materials. And we've never truly looked at the things that are very true about the resurrected Jesus. Wounds and hunger. Wounds that don't sting anymore hunger that is always satisfied. This body, the, the body of Christ, the now body of Christ is always on the trajectory of resurrection because that is what God does. That is what God promises and so we can believe in. And what Jesus embodied in resurrected form is available to us, the corporate body, the now body of Christ. But we are often slow of heart to receive this resurrected body. Perhaps it's because we've never seen anything that's actually like it before. Or perhaps we wonder if it's too good to be true. Or, or maybe it's because we're not quite sure that we want all of what this heaven and earth body of Christ means. A week and a half ago at our monthly elder board meeting, our church chair, Mary, asked a significant question. And I'll be honest, I was uh, slow of heart in the moment to this question. But it was a, a resurrection question of sorts. She asked the elders, what is God doing among us? Hmm. And there was a good handful of answers, of, of witness, of testimony to what God is, is doing among us. I heard some really beautiful things, uh, things that sounded to me a lot like resurrection. 
but I'm not even sure we scratched the surface of what God is doing in this body. I'm not even sure. I'm not sure we could ever access, ever notice, ever believe all of what God is doing in this body. But I beg that we might pay attention. In the process of preparing for this sermon, I began to wonder as a, as a follow-up to that question, what are our wounds telling us about the resurrected body of Christ? Not just Jesus' resurrected body, but this resurrecting body of Christ. And then, what is our hunger telling us about this resurrecting body of Christ? We have talked and we will continue to talk about our wounds. What is miraculous about the resurrection is not that these wounds, um, uh, is that these wounds become proof of God's ability to make things new. So we don't hide them. The wounds of this body could have been mortal wounds, but they were not. You see, because God is resurrecting us, and God is resurrecting those wounds, not so that we can say, ha-ha, we're healed, but so that we can prove God's activity in this very body. Look at our hands and feet. We have been through much, and see how God has healed us. And then we need to pay attention to our hunger our spiritual hunger and our, and our physical hunger, it is a sign that God is resurrecting this body. This body, this church, is hungry for things. And I would say the church global is hungry for things. I have seen at this church that we are hungry for a renewal we're hungry for truth, for justice, for awareness, for clarity, for hope, for love. And not just thank you. And not just like the cute kinds of these things or the things that we feel like we have to be hungry for because that's good for our bodies. But I have seen, I have watched, I have, I have witnessed people pursue being satisfied in their hunger by these things. These hunger pains, these things of this body, maybe the tummy of our body, maybe we could talk about it that way. These are signs that we are a resurrecting body, a resurrecting body of Christ. I wonder how we carry these questions with us now as we go to Mother's Day brunch, <laughs> as we spend time in Bible studies, as we as we rub shoulders with our neighbors, as we talk right out there, as we talk in here. I wonder what it would be like to ask one another. Whew, this might be a little vulnerable, but I wonder what it would be like to ask one another. Tell me about your wounds. Maybe you don't need to say it in those terms. Maybe you could pick different terms. Tell me about the things that pained you or pain you now. Where is God in the midst? I wonder if you were to ask each other at your Bible study, around the table in your small groups, what are you hungry for? Maybe people can first answer cheese, which is always the right answer, but then the next question is, 
except for those of you who are lactose intolerant. I'm so sorry. Uh, but maybe then the next question is, what are you hungry for spiritually? What are you hungry for spiritually? And we don't need to be ashamed to ask the question, and we don't need to be ashamed to answer the question, because Jesus' resurrected body was wounded and hungry. And so this body gets to be wounded and hungry, and our hunger and our wounds, they're going to lead us somewhere. And I actually think that what has plagued the church for so long, hiding our hunger, hiding our wounds, is now something that gets to be a witness to the world. The world who is certainly wounded. The world who is certainly hungry. To be honest about these things, this is good news. This is the good news of Jesus Christ for the world. May your hunger, may your wounds be made new by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and may they be the mission that sends us out into this world. It's going to be amazing. Amen.